Well, good morning, Grace. How are you this morning? Good? Good? Hey, it's an exciting day. We've got, uh, we've got the students here. We had the pause retreat. What's up, students? How are you? I don't know if anybody told you this, but you're all wearing the same shirt, so it's kind of lame. Uh, listen, we, um, we are, it's a crazy time in the church world, right? Like, apparently now we're all fans of Kanye West. Like, I guess we're all, like, we're all that now, which I am for, I want you to know. Like, I can't wait for uh, Post Malone to become a Christian, because uh, I think we need more face tattoos on Christians, right? Like, couldn't you imagine Pastor Mike walking around with good is ahead, right? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? The next time you see him, tell him, hey, you really, the Spirit spoke to me, you really need that. But listen, it's a fun time around the church, too, because last week across all of our campuses, 68 people uh, made a first-time decision to follow Christ, right? Amen, right? Yeah, it's exciting. 67 of those were at Winter Garden, so I don't know what you guys were doing, but we had, uh, it was just a really great weekend, and, and not only that, but we had other people take their next step, because the reality is, no matter if today is your first step towards Christ, or today is your millionth step towards Christ, we all have a next step, and by God's grace, may he show that to us today, amen? I want to start by asking you a question, do you ever lack confidence? Like, do you ever lack confidence? And I, I know, like, and, and I want you to know, like, I absolutely lack confidence at times. And I know you're looking at me, but you're so handsome and talented. I know. But look, I, I do lack confidence. I, I want to tell you about a time in particular where I lack confidence. I had a friend of mine. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee originally, and uh, go Tigers. And I had, uh, I, I had a friend of mine who was a pastor of an inner city church in Memphis. And it was a pretty big church. And he said, hey, man, would you come down one Sunday and preach for us? And I was like, man, I would love to do that. And so we get in there and we get into worship and as worship is starting, the place is packed and I turn around and I realize that this church is 100% African-American. Like I'm the only white face in that whole place and I realize this is completely different than what I'm used to. This is completely different than how I grew up. Like the church that I grew up in was uncomfortably white. You know what I mean? Like we're just walking around like, hey, how are you, sir? Like that, like it's just, it's just that type of church, right? And so I was like, already this is different than what I'm used to. And then worship started. And it was way different. Like the volume was a lot louder. And I tell you, everybody in there, like everybody's clapping. People are jumping. They're dancing in the aisles, right? And that is not how I grew up, right? Again, I grew up in a super white church. Like we, we didn't clap because we couldn't clap, all right? Like we were, we would do that. And then the worship guy would be like, stop. Stop it right now, right? And so we couldn't do it. But look, I'll tell you, I was so caught up in it. I was having a blast. Like I'm jumping up and down. I'm trying to clap, right? We're having a great time. But then I realized as soon as the music stops, I have to go up there. And I completely lack confidence. Like I completely thought, I don't know if I can. Like I don't like, like what are they used to? If this is what music is like, what do they expect the preacher to be like? All right? Like what is, what's going to happen? Like are, are they going to accept me at all? Like I'm up here in this little like borrowed suit. I didn't even own a suit. I'm up in this borrowed suit. Like, like is this going to be good or not? And I was, so, I was so nervous. And I remember I got up there and as I start preaching, the organ player doesn't stop playing. Anybody? Anybody grow up in that type of church? The organ player doesn't stop playing. And at one point, I turned to him, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm good. You can take a break, all right? Like, I'm good. You can, like, get, go get a water. Like, whatever you got to do, man, right? Like, and, and so, but he just kept going. That dude was in it. And I'll tell you, here's what happened. There was a lady on the front row. She did not work for the church. I did not know her. She was not my mom nor my life coach. But all of a sudden, she just yells out, you can do this, baby. Come on, baby. You got it. Let me tell you, when she said that, I realized I can do this, right? And I am a baby. And so like I, 
I just started preaching. I'll tell you, as I started to preach, like the more that I preached, the more the congregation talked back to me. I didn't even know that was a thing. Because again, in the, in the way that I grew up, like if there was somebody in the service and like during the sermon, if someone had been like, amen, that's right, they would have escorted him out of the building, right? They would have been like, Bill, we warned you, all right? Like we told you about this. But instead, like, like they're like, and by the end of it, I'm t- I don't know how to describe it. I don't think I'm preaching anymore. I'm just yelling. I'm gripping the podium and I'm yelling and they're yelling back and they're like, come on. And I'm like, I can't come on anymore. All right. Like this is the furthest I can come on. Right. And I had a great time. It was, it was an amazing experience. It really was. But I'll tell you, the reason I lack confidence, the reason that I stood there, I think the core of it was um, I didn't feel like I belonged. I think that was at the core of it. And I think when we think about the times in our lives where we lack confidence, I think that's at the core of it. We feel like we don't belong. Like maybe it's at work. Maybe you lack confidence at work and, and, and you're surrounded by all these people and they're so talented and they've been there longer and they, and they have more experience than you or, or whatever it is. And, and you just feel like, I don't, I don't know if I can bring to the table what they bring to the table. I don't know if I belong here. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's something different. Maybe it's even with your family. we got Thanksgiving coming up, and, and, and you don't want to sit down at that table. You lack confidence sitting down with your family. Why? Because you're so different from them. There's so many things that have changed. And, and if you're honest with yourself, you're saying, I don't know if I belong here anymore. And if we're honest with ourselves as well, thinking about our relationship with God, sometimes we feel that way. We lack that same confidence. Why? Because we feel like we don't belong. Like we think about who God is and we think about who we are and we go, there's no way that this makes sense. There's no way that I belong here with him. Or we, we look at the people around us and we go, you know what, they're better Christians. They have more faith, whatever it is, but there's no way that I belong here. And the writer of Hebrews today is, is going to talk to us about that. And, and we're on like, what, week nine of our series through Hebrews? Week nine, week ten, does anybody know? That's fine. All right, we're, we're deep into it. So at this point, you guys know who wrote the book of Hebrews, right? So let's just say it. One, two, three, your mom. We don't know. All right, like we have no idea who wrote him. But the author of Hebrews writes about our confidence in Christ. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. If you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to verse 19 through 25. Uh, if you got the paper Bible as it came in, that's page 1108, all right? Here we go. Hebrews chapter 10. You there? We don't have time. Let's go. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I want us to go back to verse 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near where? To God. Well, why don't we? Like, why does he even have to write that? Why do we, why do we not just naturally draw near to God? I think it's because we feel like we don't belong. And we go like, where does that lack of confidence come from before God? Where is that coming from? Well, he mentions in here, he mentions conscience. I think it's guilt. I think a lot of times it's guilt. I think it's a guilty conscience. And when you think about, when you think about uh, the reality that some of you last week was your first step towards Christ and you said, you know what, I know I've got a new life and I know I've been forgiven, but why do I feel so guilty still? And some of you in here, you've been following Jesus for years. And right now, as you sit here, this is how you feel. You feel overwhelmed with guilt and you have this guilty conscience. You're like, what is going on? And it's, it's leaving you to believe that you don't belong. It's leaving you to believe that, that you don't have any confidence before God. And, and I want to say real quick, a quick disclaimer. Having a guilty conscience isn't always a bad thing. 
Sometimes it can serve us as long as it leads us to repentance. My oldest son, he reads a lot. And, um, and so he, uh, he's super smart. And uh, he came to me the other day with a book. And uh, he brings his book to me. It was a Captain Underpants book. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a preacher. It was one of his many copies of the Bible. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. He brings me Captain Underpants. And, uh, and, and he's, like, he's like, Dad, this book. And he starts crying. He starts like weeping. And I was like, man, is Captain Underpants that good? You know what I mean? Like, is that like, I really need to, I need to get on that, right? Like, I need to be reading that. And, and I go, son, like, why, why are you crying? And, and, and he goes, this book, it's not mine. And I'm like, well, who's, is it your mom's? Like, whose is it, right? Like, whose book does this belong to? And so he goes on to tell me that a friend of his at school likes to read as well. And so they decided before the summer that they were going to exchange books and then like a week later, they were going to bring them back. So his friend brought the book back. But what my son decided to do was once he got the book, he realized he wanted to keep the book. And so he just never brought it back. And his friend would ask him about it. He just would say, oh, I'll bring it later. And he just wouldn't bring it back. So then summer came. And so he still got the book. And he's, he hasn't seen the kid. And he is overwhelmed with guilt. Just like devastated. I was like, son, I, this is a good thing. I'm so glad that you're not some kleptomaniac, right? Like, I'm so glad that you have a conscience and that you're upset about this. But look, we will get it back to him. You will apologize. It will be okay. And he's like, dad, I think he moved. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, we'll find him. Like, he has a name, right? Like, your friend had a name? You didn't just call him book kid, right? Like, what was his name? Well, Google and Amazon are always listening to us. His information is out there, all right? Like, we will find him. It's not that big a deal. But in that way, like, a guilty conscience served my son because it led him to repentance. It led him to do the right thing. It led him back to God. But that's not the guilt I'm talking about. A guilty conscience is not helpful when it leads us nowhere. You know what I'm talking about? Is anybody there? Where you just feel paralyzed and, and you can't move towards God. And I've been there so many times and the way I describe it is it's like a prison cell, right? Like, like you can't move forward and all you do is you sit there with your guilt and you just beat yourself up over and over again. I can't believe I did that again. I can't believe I did that to her. I can't believe I did that to him. And, and all you hear in your head, the voice you hear over and over again is you belong in here. You belong with this. You did this. You don't belong out there. You don't belong in freedom. You don't belong over there. You belong here. That's what guilt is telling us. And Proverbs 5 tells us that the reason that is is because sin is a captor. It says sin is like a rope and it ties around our wrists and it binds us and it holds us but you know what Jesus said Jesus said whom the son sets free is free indeed Jesus is in the in the prison breaking business all right and that's what we see here in the scriptures look at verse 22 it says with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience you know what that's a picture of in the old testament the high priest would literally take the blood of the sacrifices on the day of atonement and sprinkle it over the people so that they would be clean in that moment so their consciences would be clean before God but guess what their consciences would get dirty again and they would need another sacrifice and another sacrifice but this says that we've been sprinkled clean our consciences have been sprinkled clean by the once and for all blood of Jesus there is no need for a second application there is no need for a second sacrifice so here's what that means friends if you are in a prison of guilt right now of your own making get out because you don't belong there you belong in the throne room of God 
Like you don't belong in that prison of guilt anymore. You belong in the throne room of God. That's what the scriptures tell us. Like it says that you and I have been declared righteous. That's a right standing before God, a legal right standing before God. You and I are now called sons and daughters. Where do sons and daughters of the king belong? Do they belong in the dungeon? Do they belong in a prison of guilt? Or do they belong in the throne room of God, the throne room of their father? That's where you and I belong. And so guilt will over and over again tell us, you don't belong. You belong here. You belong in this place. You belong here where you just beat yourself up. But that is not true. What grace tells us is that we belong. That's why Hebrews says, you do approach the throne of grace with what? With confidence. Why? Because you belong there. That's what confidence is. You belong there. And there was a time we didn't belong in the presence of God. When you think about the the high priest one time a year would go into the Holy of Holies. There was this place he'd go behind the curtain and literally the presence of God was there. And men did not belong there in the presence of God. The, the, the high priest would get to go one time a year. And, and, and here's the thing. If you were the high priest and you got selected and I was another priest, what I would do is before you go in there, I would tie a rope around your waist. You know why? Because if you went in there and you messed up, if you went in there and you offered a sacrifice that was not honorable to God or you, you did something that was inappropriate, you would die in the presence of God. And I'm not going in there after you. I would just pull your body out. And that happened. Like we see that with the the sons of Aaron. They offered a sacrifice that was not appropriate. And the fire from the altar of God consumed them. There was a time we didn't belong. But look at our scripture today. Look at verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence. What's confidence? We know we belong. To enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. When Jesus died, the curtain that separated us from the presence of God was torn in two. And now this is saying that we can now enter through what? The curtain that what is, is what? His flesh. Now we have access to the Holy of Holies. What is it telling us? It's saying that in Jesus, you belong in the presence of God. That's where you belong. In Jesus, you and I belong. And guilt will tell us over and over again, no, you don't. You don't belong there. No, no, no. Not after what you did. But no, we can say no because of what Christ has done. I do belong. There's this, this parable that Jesus talks about with the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with it, let me tell it to you real quick. Basically, the son comes to his dad and he goes, look, I don't want to wait for you to die to get my inheritance. I want to go start my own life right now. I'm out. Give me my money. And so the dad gives him the money and he goes, blows it in spectacular fashion. And instead of going back to his father who had plenty who could have provided for him, instead he ends up going to feeding pigs and he's so hungry he ends up eating the pig slop, right? Why? Because of guilt. He had a guilty conscience. He says, I don't belong there anymore. And then eventually he pushes through that guilt and he decides to return home. But you know what he says? He's still not returning to his father. Because what he says is he he practices this this speech, right? Where he's going to say to him, you know what? Let me be a servant. That was his plan. I I know I don't belong in the home. I know I don't belong being your son anymore. I know I don't belong in the family anymore. Just let me be a servant. And what happens? That that son is returning home. And the Bible says when he was a, a long way off, when he was a long way off, when he was in the distance, what happened? The father ran to him and fell on him. Why? Because the son and the daughter always belong. They always belong. And so I don't know, maybe that's you. 
Maybe you've been far away. Maybe you've done something and guilt is overwhelming to you and it's keeping you from God right now and you're pushing back. You're saying, I don't belong. I don't belong there. Look at what I've done. Look at who I am. Look at what's going on in my heart and in my mind. I don't belong there. Let me tell you this. If you are in Christ, you are a son or you are a daughter and you always belong where your father is, right? That's what Jesus said. Where you are, where I am, there you will be also. That's where we belong. You absolutely belong. Martin Luther struggled with a guilty conscience for years. In fact, they used to say that he would go into, um, he'd go into confession and uh, he would spend like six hours in confession just listing all these things, like just, just getting all this guilt off. And finally he had a breakthrough and, and he said this. I, I want you to see it. We'll put it up on the screen. He said, so when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What, for, what of it? For I know one who suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. And where he is, there I shall be also. There are no microphones at this time and he's doing a mic drop, right? Like that's an amazing thing. What is he saying right there? He's saying, no, guilt comes after me all the time. The enemy comes after me with all the things that I've done over and over and over again. And here's the thing, he's right. He's right. I deserve death. I deserve hell. I don't deserve to be in the throne room of God. But, but I'm with Jesus now. And Jesus has declared me righteous. And, and the Father calls me a son. And so I don't belong in the dungeon anymore. I belong in the throne room. And that's true for us too. You absolutely belong. And never forget it. Never forget it. That is our hope that we hold on to. Look at verse 23 in our passage today. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Everybody in this room has got hope in something. Everybody. And you're like, well, I'm not a really religious person. I just came to, what? it doesn't matter. You all have hope, right? You all have something you're looking towards. If you don't have hope, you're dead, right? Like we are always looking towards something. Like I'm gonna get a better job one day. That's what I'm working for. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a better house one day. That's what I'm working for. I'm gonna have a better relationship one day. That's what I'm working for. But the problem is all of those hopes, like they're, they're weak hopes. Do you know why? Because they're vulnerable. All of our hopes outside of Jesus are weak. Why? Because they're vulnerable. We, they're circumstances we can't control. Let me give you a, kind of a funny example. Don't worry. My wife was like, you can totally tell the story. Um, but when we first got married, we were in our early 20s, and so we did what everybody does if you're married in your early 20s, is instead of having kids, you get dogs. And so she really wanted a dog. She really wanted a puppy, and, uh, she, and, and she wanted a, a girl dog. Like, that was important to her for some reason. And so, I guess because I'm just so masculine. And so anyway, she, um, yeah, it's rude, all right? So, so here's the type of dog she wanted. She wanted a puggle. Anybody know what that is? It's a pug and a beagle mix, an unholy mix of a dog, right? And we struggled to find that dog. Because when we would find like someone who, who would breed them, they, all, they had boys. And she was like, I want a girl, I want a girl. So we, uh, we finally found one. And so we go out to see this, this little dog, and it's way too little to go home with us. And so, but, but my wife was like, that's it, I love her. And so she named her. And she named her Sadie. That was her name, Sadie. And so we had this little dog, Sadie. And the, they would email us every day with a picture of Sadie. And, oh, she did so good today. And, and she went and played today. And she did all this other stuff. And you're going to get to come see her one day. So uh, one day we got an email. And here's what it said. Here's all the email said. I'm so sorry. Sadie is gone. And we were like, what? And so we called and we said, what happened? My wife is devastated. What happened? And uh, she, goes, uh, she goes, the mom, sometimes this happens, the mom will take 
like the runt of the litter out into the woods and leave it to die. And that's what happened. Like she took Sadie out. And so I'm like comforting my wife and I was like, hey, I know I was kind of opposed to puggles before, but that's the most metal thing I have ever heard of. Like, that's so National Geographic. Like, all I want for the rest of my life are puggles. Like, that is so baller that the mom was like, you're out, right? And I tried to cover my wife too. I was like, I'm sure she's fine. She's not. We have wolves in Memphis. But anyway, I was like, I'm sure she's fine. And so like, I'm sure she grew up real strong. She's probably leading a pack of wolves right now. And so we'd be like, at night, we would hear something in the woods or whatever. And I'd be like, it's Sadie. You know what I mean? Like, she just, she just killed another dog, right? But anyway... My wife had all of her hope in this. Like, I'm just going to get this dog. It's going to be wonderful, right? And then dog on, right? You know what I mean? Like, that, that's it. And the reality is, the reality is, like, all of our hopes outside of Jesus are weak. Why? Because they're vulnerable. But our hope in Jesus, the hope that we belong, that we belong with him and he belongs to us, that is not weak at all. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Look at how it describes it. Verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. The fact that we belong with Jesus and that he belongs with us is, is an anchor is what it says. So that's, that holds steady in the roughest storms. It doesn't matter what comes against us. It doesn't matter the difficulty that we suffer, that nothing is moving us off of that hope. That anchor is sure, right? And it can take all of the wind and the waves and it can take all the circumstances and the difficulties and the calamities. We have a family at our Winter Garden campus who's um, been struggling for, for several years with something. He, uh, the husband, Tim, he, um, he suffered from brain seizures for years and years, and they could never figure out what was going on. And uh, finally, um, and, and, and I remember sitting in the hospital room, and his wife would always say, she'd always look at this hope. She'd always say, one day he's going to get better, and then we're going to live the life that we want to live together. A beautiful hope. Nothing wrong with that hope. A wonderful hope. And by God's grace, um, several months ago, or, uh, maybe even a bit longer, he, he finally found a medication that worked. After years and years of him going to the hospital, he finally found a medication that would prevent these seizures from happening. And he returned to like a normal life. And so now their hope, like their hope is right here, right? Like now they can start living that life. About a month ago, Tim was on the turnpike and he was driving his daughters to school and he lost control of his vehicle and he was killed instantly in a car accident. It's gone. Like that hope is gone. I remember sitting in the hospital room with his wife, with his widows, as his, his daughter was in, um, was in a coma afterwards. She's fine now, praise God, but she was in a coma afterwards. And I remember her saying, like, we were going to start our lives together. And now he's gone. Is there anything wrong with that hope? Nothing. It's a beautiful hope. But it was vulnerable. Tim couldn't change what happened that morning. Francis can't go back and change what happened that morning. But here's the thing. If you go talk to Francis today, you go talk to her a month after this has happened, you will walk away encouraged. Do you know why? Because her hope wasn't ultimately in that. It was a hope, and it was a good hope, but it wasn't her ultimate hope. Her ultimate hope is this anchor that the writer of Hebrews talks about. She, you know what she said to me? She said, Tim loved Jesus, so Tim's with Jesus. You know what she said? I love Jesus, so Jesus is with me. That's what she says. What is that? That's holding on to an anchor. I can't even imagine what's that like, right? Like, like she gets a call. Everything that morning is fine. Everything that morning is fine. She kisses him goodbye, and then she gets a call that he's gone. He's just gone. 
And now she's got to figure out, how do I care for my girls without him? How can, can, can I li- afford to be in this house? Can I? All these different things. And it's just wave after wave hitting her over and over again. And all she can do is hold on to that anchor that I belong to Jesus and he belongs with me. I belong to Jesus and he belongs with me. And that's what she's holding on to. And so when you talk to her, she's not overcome. She's not destroyed. She's not crushed. Instead, she stands firm. Why? Because our hope in the fact that we belong with Jesus and he is with us is an anchor for our souls. And it's something we can't forget. And it's something we should be reminding each other of. Look back at our scripture, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How can we stir each other up to love and good works? Look at verse 25. The first thing is don't neglect meeting together. Congratulations, you did it. You're here, right? And, and, and I, I get to admit, like Pastor Mike says all the time, that, that, that the church is the center of a Christian's life and Jesus is the center of the church. And that's true. That's, it's supposed to be a central priority to our lives. But can we be honest? It's hard sometimes to meet together. It's hard to make that a habit sometimes. We're in a grace community we absolutely love. We absolutely love it. And every time we go, like I look forward to it. And every time we go, I love it. And, and then we just, I'm just so fired up and I'm so encouraged. But can I tell you this? Almost every week, when it comes around to Grace Community Time, we get in the car, and I just go, can I just stay home? Now, here's the thing. My wife goes, are you sure you can tell that on stage? And I was like, you know why I can? Because everyone in this room has had that same thought. Am I right? You have that thought of, do I have to go somewhere tonight? You know what I mean? Like, it's nighttime. We should be inside, right? Like, I have to go out somewhere? And the reality is, some of you, that was true for you this morning on your way here. For real, you were like, do we have, uh, and then you got here and you're like, Pastor Mike's not here. Can we just leave out the back, right? Like, <laughs> guys, that was too much. <laughs> that was too much. But it's, it's true. It's hard sometimes, but we have to make it a priority. Why? Because we gather together in verse 25. We encourage one another. We need one another. We need to be reminded of the soap. You know, the anchor is only, is only works if you hold on to it. And let's just be honest, there have been times in my life and there's times in your life when something happens, I fight with my wife or something bad happens with my kids or there's some financial pressure that I can't, I have no solution for and all these things, they just hit and they hit and they hit and I lose my grip on that anchor and I fall into anxiety and I fall into worry and I fall into depression and I fall into this sadness and I fall into this being disconnected, right? And, and what this is saying is don't forget to meet together because you need to remind each other of what is true and what is eternal. You need to remind each other of the hope that we have. You need to lead each other back to that anchor. The day that, um, that Tim died, we went up to the hospital to be with Frances as she was uh, there with her daughter. And um, she was in the trauma unit and the trauma unit's really small and, and a lot of people aren't allowed up there. And so I came down from the trauma unit and, and in the lobby was a bunch of people from Grace Winter Garden. And I said, I'm sorry guys, you can't go up there. They, they're only allowing family right now and, uh, and, and it's just too small, you guys can't go up there. And they said, it's fine, we're just, we just want Francis to know we're here. So we're just gonna stay here. And we sat in the lobby for hours and we just talked. And we told stories about Tim and we told funny stories, don't get me wrong, we did. But, but can I tell you what else we talked about? We talked about, do you guys remember a few years ago when Tim showed up and it was obvious he didn't want to be at church? Do you guys remember that? How many of you guys were offended by Tim? Do you guys remember that? Do you remember Tim just like not even talking to you and just getting out and you could tell he just hated to be there? 
But do you guys remember a little while after that how he went to the hospital for the first time and then we came to visit him at the hospital and, and Tim started thinking about spiritual things. He started asking spiritual questions. Do you remember a year after that when Tim gave his life to Jesus and we baptized him? Do you remember after that he joined our ops team and he started serving every single week? Do you remember how he became a leader in his Grace Community where before he wouldn't even speak in church and then in Grace Community he's just being vulnerable and he's leading people to Jesus just through his vulnerability? Do you remember the last time that he was in the hospital where they gave him this medication and, and everything that was in his mind he just said and what came out of his mouth was he sang worship songs and he went up and down the hallway telling everybody that Jesus loved them and Jesus cared about them. Do you remember that? You know what we were doing? We were all hurting. We were all losing our grip on our hope, on our anchor and we were just leading each other back to that anchor together. And we're saying, no, 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 Tim is with Jesus because Tim belongs with Jesus. And we are with Jesus because we belong with Jesus. And he's here with us and we're going to hold on to this. And it hurts and we're sad and we're overwhelmed. But we have an anchor for our soul. And that's the fact that we belong. And it doesn't matter what else is happening. It doesn't matter all the difficulties that are in our lives. We belong and we are with him and he is with us. And that's why we meet together. Because every single one of us needs that reminder. We need to be led back to what is true and what is eternal. We need to be led back to that anchor. And I'm going to guess that in a room this size, there are people in here right now who you need that. That's you today. I don't know what's happened. Maybe something difficult happened in your family or in your marriage or with your kids or at your work. Maybe just something internal. Maybe there's just been a sin that's just been kicking the crap out of you lately. And you're just overwhelmed right now. And you need to be led back to that anchor of hope. And you're saying, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel the hope right now. I don't feel, I'm, I'm just so, so beaten up right now. I need to be encouraged. I need to be led back to that hope. I know I've needed it so many times. And so I, I want us to do that today. I want us to encourage each other in that way. And I want to lead us back there today.